Hey, thanks for joining me today. My name is Chris and I am host of the Stellar Spark Show. And today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. Where usually I speak about current events and what's going on in the media. There really hasn't been too much new going on besides the hurricane. So what I'm going to be discussing today is about what the Democrats need to do in future elections and how they can be successful in future elections as well. So, and that begins with what is going to happen in the 2020 election. So we don't really know yet, but depending on what happens and what the result is, it'll shape the trajectory of the party for the future. So for years to come, the Democrats will need to adopt different strategies depending on what the result is of this election. So if Joe Biden ends up winning the 2020 election, he'll be president for likely just one term. I don't really see him serving out a second term in office due to his advanced age. But if Biden is president, he'll be president for a term. And then it'll be more of like a transitory administration towards a more progressive candidate or nominee for 2024. So I still see it turning out the same way. Biden's win would just delay that. So I think the Democrats are going to adopt a strategy that has to reconcile the more moderate establishment Democrats in the party with the more progressive wing of the party that has newly emerged. The more Bernie Sanders wing that has a lot of grassroots support. That seems to be where the enthusiasm is generated among Democrats, because if Joe Biden ends up losing this election, the Democrats are going to really have to take a hard look at what they've been doing the last two election cycles. And even before that, with Democrats like Kerry and Gore, weren't that inspiring. A candidate like Obama was not establishment. He was more populist and he had a lot of grassroots support. And we saw that with President Trump as well. So I think the Democrats should take more of a strategy that embraces the populism and doesn't really try to steal away the progressive faction's chances at winning the primary. And the reform they had after the 2016 Democratic primaries made that a little bit less of a factor and lessen the chances that that's going to happen. But as we saw in 2020, I mean, this favoritism that we see for the establishment, I mean, every other Democratic candidate got out of the way for Joe Biden because had everyone stayed in, I think that Bernie Sanders would have been the nominee. But everyone else out of deference said that, well, this guy was the former vice president. We might as well just step aside for him and let him be the nominee because Biden didn't really perform that well in Iowa nor in New Hampshire. He even lost Nevada. And there was like a surprise right before South Carolina where most likely party leaders got together and said, Hey, look, 
We're going to lose this election. We're going to lose this primary. If you don't step aside like the other moderate Democrats, if the other moderate Democrats didn't step aside, then Biden wouldn't be the nominee and they would they had assumed that Biden would be their strongest chance. So if the Democrats want to win, that has to stop. They have to basically give the progressives a chance to prove themselves themselves because it may be that the progressive wing is very liberal on the primary, but then you have to make a pivot to the general election. And I agree that you can't win an election if you're very far left in this country, but you could always pivot a little bit to the center because a lot of these ideas are very desirable to the American electorate to an extent. And I think the Democrats have an enthusiasm problem, which could be easily solved by running more inspiring candidates to hold the Democratic banner. So number one has to be uniting the establishment and progressive wings. And that's my first point, that victory is not going to come by having a divided party. Because if you if you nominate an establishment Dem, the progressives are going to sit it out unless you have a, a more of a compromise with the vice presidential candidate. A way to get some compromise if you're running a progressive nominee is to pivot more to the center to get more of the moderates on your side. That would be a strategy. Because we saw that enthusiasm problem in 2016 where Bernie Sanders supporters felt cheated in the process and we already discussed the reforms that were made briefly where the superdelegates are not much of a factor in choosing the party's nominee because many say that that gave Hillary Clinton an unfair advantage going into the primary because she already had this large lead in delegates and, and soft support and delegates where it didn't matter what Bernie Sanders did because he, he didn't have that same kind of support. So they took that off the table, the DNC, so that that wouldn't decide the process, which I think is a very welcome change, in my opinion. So really what they need to do is kind of move past this divide right now, and they need to unite in 2024 if they want to have any chance of winning back the White House. So they should really make a pivot towards the 2024 election, regardless of this result. They should start getting the infrastructure started, the fundraising, the, the advertising. Because if President Trump gets two terms, they're going to be fair to win the White House, the Democratic Party. And hopefully they run the right kind of candidate, hopefully a more progressive or populist candidate in 2024. Because... A lot of the demographics are favoring the Democrats. I mean, the changes in this country are favoring the Democratic Party immensely. I mean, if we look at states, for example, like in the Sun Belt, so we go from North Carolina and Virginia, those two states themselves are experiencing a lot of changes. And North Carolina is becoming way more educated now with a lot of college educators in the Triangle and elsewhere. Virginia, we were, 
you already know, Virginia is heavily Democratic because of the northern Virginia suburbs, as well as outside of Richmond. And in southeast Virginia has been become very Democratic. And we saw that change from 2004 when George W. Bush won a lot of the suburbs. Those suburbs have become heavily Democrat now. So if the Republicans want to compete in the future, I mean, this video, excuse me, this uh, this podcast isn't about uh, the Republicans, but the Republicans, if they want to compete, they have to make inroads with the suburbanites and moderate on social issues, but that's for another day. And also in Florida, climate change is becoming an issue. Climate change is a big issue in Southern Florida with all the hurricanes and the rising sea levels. Florida wants to see more of a, I'd say, left-leaning policy on climate change while they're socially conservative and everything else on economic issues. And then you move out to Texas, which is a big state, but it has a growing Hispanic Latino population. And it's becoming sizable nationwide. And by 2050, the Hispanic Latino groups will be the majority in America. So that favors the Democratic Party because most Hispanic Latinos are Democratic, not all. I mean, you have places in the South, like the Cubans in Florida, tend to be more conservative leaning, but it's been changing in recent years. And then you look at Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, are obviously very becoming very democratic as time goes on. And I think honestly think a candidate like AOC would be very well positioned to win a lot of those states in the future. Because I expect that States like Colorado, New Mexico, Virginia, North Carolina, and Arizona will be solidly Democratic by 2050. Maybe even Georgia, depending on the acceleration and rapid growth of the Atlanta suburbs. Meanwhile, states in the Midwest, I think, are being lost to the Democrats in the Rust Belt, so they would need to focus more on the Sun Belt strategy in order to have increased chances of success. So if I were the Democratic Party, I'd focus more on uniting both factions in the party, focusing on energy and enthusiasm and running the right candidate. Then I would focus on the demographic changes and taking advantage of them that are happening in the U.S. and the Sun Belt. And also trying to get new voters. So maybe disaffected Republicans that are never Trump Republicans somehow. I think would also be a good strategy. So if the Democratic Party did those three things, I think it would be a good start. And what is going to be an interesting 2024 campaign after these three months 
are finished. After this election is concluded, it starts the 2024 presidential race. So once again, I think the Democrats have an inherent built-in advantage going into 2024, regardless of who the nominee is, but especially if they run the right nominee for the Democrats, they could set the tone for a while, depending on how rapidly these demographic changes occur. And I think the Republican Party will adapt to it. I think they will be forced to adapt to the changes that are going to happen in the future because they don't want to keep losing elections and they don't want to keep losing members. So I do think that the Republican Party is going to adapt to the Democratic Party's shift and also the demographic changes that are happening so that they can be more competitive on a national scale. As for the two-party system, I think this party system will end. I think both parties will be around for a while. I'm not too sure when they wouldn't exist any longer, but I think it's going to be going going on for a while. But we've had a two-party system for a while now, and I don't see that going away due to how polarized the society is. If there's something to break that pattern of polarization, then it's quite possible we might have a three-party system or more. But for the time being, due to how divided our country is on the, on um, on ideology, I do think that the two-party system will be in place for, I'd say, to put a number on it, I'd say about another 50 years or so, but I could be wrong. At least 50 to 100 years, but never could be so sure, so... But yeah, if the Democrats do those three things, they'll be successful next time and in the future. So I pre- appreciate you guys listening to this one. I know I'm very used to making videos on YouTube and the podcast is a welcome outlet to change. It's a welcome change. It's it's easier to speak about many issues without having a map in front of me or anything like that, but... I hope you guys enjoyed listening and thanks for staying with me. Please consider supporting the podcast as well. If you enjoy these episodes and, and always give me some new ideas to speak about on the podcast. I'm open to many ideas and topics to speak about. So I welcome those. Please leave those down in the channel. Excuse me. The, community section tab on my channel and I'll be happy to accommodate those requests for podcast episodes. So I'm going to leave it there, folks. That's all I have. My name is Chris and I am host of the Seller Spark Show signing off. Until next time.